Welcome back to the Line to Game podcast. This is episode 10, covering week 9 of the 2023 NFL season. I'm your host, as always, Jeremy Dixon, along with Michael Parker. Mike, welcome to the show, man. How's it going? Good. Uh, Jeremy, it was great to see you for 15 minutes live uh, in (laughs) studio. Uh, but we had some issues with the microphone. So here we are again on Zoom. Mike had to um, make I think the long this is our trek. fourth episode. Yeah, Mike yeah, had to make the was... long trek back home. Uh, we could not get it yeah. to work. So here we are. <laughs> Hopefully we do not have any uh, technical difficulties. I know you guys missed out on the, uh, the that wonderful Battle of New York last week, uh, our, our thoughts on that and I think the Miami game. But other than that, I think it it came together all right. So I think we're good to go. Yeah. It's been a rough week. I guess a, a rough month. Not nah, rough is not the right word, but we've been um, working on our house, like converting our downstairs. Basically, we painted, um, got some more decor. Uh, we're moving our office into our downstairs area uh, because it's a little bit more dog friendly than the office that we had above our garage. Um, easier to like get them in and out. And our dogs have like the freedom to kind of roam around and, and have all of their stuff beds and things. So um, it just made sense for us to kind of move it down there. And part of that process, I'll send you, I'll send you Jeremy, some, some video or something of what it looks like when we got it all staged and everything. But that's a lot of that time. A lot of my time is these couple of weeks have been focused on that. It's just been exhausting. So it's good to have like an open week this week where I wasn't doing anything and uh, just could take a deep breath. Here I am Wednesday talking to you. Good deal, man. Well, uh, yeah, you ready to get into it? Yeah. Uh, degenerate quarter is where we always start. I'm taking a hiatus from this. Um, so the is only degenerate. Conti- is that going to be continued this week? Or are you you're going to be back on? Are you hopping back on? No, I'm, t- I'm taking a week, another week. I just need, I need to, you know, find uh, some a mental space where it's okay to like be interested in this again <laughs> hey man I, I don't know man i'll dive in because i'm i went two two for three this or yeah, two out of three this week uh, that's really so, good yeah so i had pittsburgh minus two and a half versus uh tennessee uh pittsburgh ended up winning that game by four i think um good on you know i i, I was I, i'm I'm going to get into it more when we get to this game, but I, I'm pretty impressed by Will Levis and uh, his composure. He didn't put up the best numbers, but I, you know, I think he stood in there and and uh, took some big shots and and didn't, uh, you know, just kind of held up to the pressure um, and, and had the ball with the chance to win that game. Uh, but yeah, Pittsburgh did get the four point victory, so won that one. Um, the KC Miami over, which I thought was like my lock of the of the year, Miami KC over fifty and a half, and uh, did not come to fruition. So I lost that one. But then I did get Cleveland. Isn't, isn't there a rule? Isn't there a rule? Don't take the over on a uh, England or Germany game. I think it's like don't ever take the biggest over or the smallest under or something like that too. So yeah, I I broke a couple rules. You never, you're never supposed to go over the biggest over and or under the biggest under, I think, is, is something like that. So, yeah, I lost that one. I woke up, remembered that was on, and flipped it on. It was 21-0 Kansas City at halftime, and I didn't really give this game a whole much, a whole lot of my attention after that. But, um, yeah, didn't work out for me. So, uh, then my third bet was Cleveland minus eight versus the Cardinals, and 
believe that Cleveland won 27 to zero. So covered that one pretty handily. Um, yeah. And that's my three. So I'm two and one uh, bubbling up to a negative 1000 on the season. So I'm, I'm having a good time. Oof. Yeah. That sucks when you're just like digging yourself out of a hole for, for the most part every week. Yeah. Especially if you only go two for All right. and you're only getting a hundred dollars back on that every week. So it's just, mm. Yeah. Never ending cycle. That's what I was trying to do with making some, some bigger, like crazy bets. I just, like I said, last, last week, I think I just, I want to do some more like in-game parlays. Um, but I don't want to lay down actually actual cash. We're in the state of Washington where I can't even actually make a bet on through any online sites. So it's not like I can like build a, parlay for myself and it just it makes it difficult i have to kind of like piecemeal it together i don't know how to get odds on like and i would have liked to take a will levis touchdown and a, and a pittsburgh over or a will levis interception and a pittsburgh over or something like that as as part of like the betting just to kind of give me a little bit better odds than what you see spice in a straight you know you know huh i said spice it up a little bit yeah exactly you have to Anyways, spice of life, right? All right. Well, good job by you this week. Um, let's get to our observations of, of week the games from week nine. Uh, we had four teams on by uh, this week. We had Denver, Detroit, San Francisco, and Jacksonville, all with buys. Uh, so let's get to that Thursday night game. Um, this was that Pen Tennessee at Pittsburgh. It was Thursday night football. Um, even though the game was only uh, 20 to 16, it seemed – to flow much better. And it was actually pretty exciting. Um, Kenny Pickett stats look pretty horrible, uh, but he did manage to put together two touchdown drives. And, you know, uh, those two drives, he had just under half of his total completion. So he, you know, had a couple of drives, that's it. And they won the game with that defense. Yep. Yep. Um, I put, I'm in, I'm in, impressed by Will Levis. Yeah, you know, figured out. I, I figured the Steelers were going to roll over the Titans, but you know he kept things fairly close. He did throw for two sixty and an, had an interception, um, but did have the ball with the chance to go down and win the game as well. Didn't work out. Uh, Pittsburgh's defense dialed it up and 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 got to him a couple times. Um, the Kenny, yeah, the Kenny Pickett thing, man. Um, C.J. Stroud has more passing touchdowns than Kenny Pickett, Mike. In his yeah, career. and that is yep. pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Uh, seeing how Kenny Pickett has essentially started a season worth of games more than, or well, I, I don't think he started every game last year. I don't think he came in uh, for a few games uh, into the season, but uh, yeah, that's bad. I, I would say. Um, but Pittsburgh did run the ball well. Najee Harris got uh got in the end zone for maybe the first time this season. Maybe it's only the site. So he, he hasn't gotten the end zone very much at all, but uh, he went for 60. Um, and so did, uh, is it Jalen Warren? They both ended up over 60 yards rushing. Um, so the running game's getting going for them a little bit, which is, is good to see. But I mean, yeah, this was like pretty much a defensive battle that was actually exciting. Like you mentioned, and, and I, I actually enjoyed it. So Najee has two rushing touchdowns. Uh, he got one against the the Rams a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, still only two touchdowns. It's being the primary uh, uh, ball carrier. Um, not not the best. 
Um, I'd like to spotlight. We, we talked about him. You brought up his stats. Will Levis. I think we need to take a look at him. He looks very promising. Um, he, he didn't have the world beating stats, as you mentioned. Um, but he does seem calm and collected out there. He was calling audibles, setting protections, really pushing the ball downfield against this really tough uh, Pittsburgh defense. They, they really are missing uh, Minka Fitzpatrick um, because there was a lot of throws in the middle that were open. I am really impressed by him and his arm talent. Um, he's, got a, loss, he's got an so. arm. He's got a cannon for an arm. I, I had no idea. I had no idea because I didn't watch a lot of Kentucky, um, right. in, you know, college games. So I had no idea how how talented he was, you know, from an arm arm perspective. So, right. you know, I'm not saying he's Tennessee's savior or anything yet, um, but I do like that he has at least the building blocks of what it takes to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. It felt to me watching that game like he his teammates really it, it it seemed like there was a shift in kind of the confidence in themselves with him under center versus Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. And I, I have watched a few of their games this year, so um yeah, I mean I, I'm impressed. I'm I, I'm rooting for the kid. I would like to see him succeed. I mean, you know, good luck to to him. So um yeah. Yeah. Quick call out to my game ball. Um, I think I've given them my game ball in every Pittsburgh win, uh, and that's the Pittsburgh edge rushers. So Pittsburgh's defense had four sacks and 10 quarterback hits. Um, Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt had three of those sacks, three of the four, and seven of the 10 quarterback hits. Uh, We mentioned him the other day, Alex Highsmith. Um, He, in particular, uh, had half of those uh, team stats. Um, and he was, he was firing off the line of scrimmage. He was getting home. Um, we, we talked about how, um, fast he looked a couple weeks ago. Um, and he's, I mean, appears to be learning something and appears to be building off, you know, um, what he had brought to the table in the first place. He looks really good out there. He had a really big game. And I thought on that last drive where Will Levis threw that touchdown over the, over the middle, um, that pressure was in Will Levis's mind. You know, he was, he was pummeled pretty much all day and just having that like little, uh, that clock going off on your, that timer going off in your head, you know, I have to push the ball downfield because this is going to happen in a half a second. So, uh, good job by them. I still think probably it's between TJ Watt to me and, um, uh, what's the guy over in Cleveland uh, for de- defensive player Miles, of the year? Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Yeah, man. I think we might look at maybe week 17, look at like um, our predictions for who's going to win like MVP defensive player. We can talk about it, but I would like to maybe I know, I was gonna say, take I think a couple last, of shots at that. I think last year we did like early season for their mid season predictions on those. Maybe we can do that in the next few weeks. Like who we think. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do it. All right, enough of this Thursday night football game. Um, there were four real games this week that mattered. Top top playoff teams, basically, top teams in the NFL. Uh, the first of those four was this Miami at Kansas City. They were playing in Germany. They were on at 6 friggin' 30 um, Pacific time, the time zone in which you and I both live. Um, this was a battle of the top seeds in the AFC. 
KC at number one, Miami at number two. Um, so it was pretty, had some stakes, let's put it that way. So I'd like to spotlight um, Kansas City's defense. Um, they did a really good job collapsing that pocket. Uh, they were only rushing four most of the day. Kept Tua off balance. They threw a couple of like crazy um, corner blitzes in there to just keep uh, Tua off balance. Um, they were swarming to ball carriers. Um, I felt like they really did a good job neutralizing Miami's speed and preventing yak uh, yards after catch. Um, they would get to the, the, the person after the catch and get him down. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was yeah, a lot of fun, fun to that, watch them. That fumble that Kansas city returned for a touchdown was a pretty fun, exciting play. That's the only touchdown I saw for this game. Like I had walked away the, the, um, on the offensive touchdowns, like, I don't know, get another cup of coffee right. or let the dog out or something. And I missed <laughs> those two Kansas city offensive touchdowns. I did catch this one. Uh, and man, when they're playing like this, I think that's the type of thing that teams need to, to do. Um, they're playing the best that I've ever seen a Kansas city uh, team uh, defensive team play in the uh, Patrick Mahomes era. Um, so that's promising. I think this could maybe offset how bad they are at receiver right now, not getting a lot of separation downfield. Um, my game ball, of course, is going to go to Patrick Mahomes. I think, um, he's doing the Lord's work out there with these receivers, not a huge day for him. Um, no. he had what I call a Russell Wilson, which is like two TDs and 185 yards. Um, yeah. but he didn't have any turnovers, so he did what he needed to do to win the game. Yeah. So. Um, our, our friend Primo is a big Miami Dolphins fan and he, uh, texted me midday. Like, I don't even think he watches NFL football anymore. He just like checks the score and then talk to either text me talking trash or, or whatever the case may be. Anyway, he texts me saying, uh, Dolphins, a, a botch snap cost the Dolphins the game. And I was like, you clearly didn't watch the game if you think that a botch snap cost the Dolphins. The Dolphins were down 21-0 halftime. You know, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I, was, uh, I just thought that was hilarious that he thought it was uh, just a botch snap. Um, it was good that Miami was able to claw their way back into the game um, a little bit. I mean, because they did have the ball. They made a go of it. They did. Yeah, yeah. They, had a, they had the ball, uh, you know, down by seven with uh, in the fourth quarter uh, with a chance to go down and score, and, and it was a bad snap that, that you know, did cost them that chance. But I mean, Miami hasn't beaten a winning team I saw in, I think, 437 days or something like that, uh, which is tough. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Part of our question of the day is we're going to look at some of the top teams in the league and really kind of assess whether they have what we would call quality wins. We'll have more on that, but Miami, it doesn't look good. No, no, definitely not. And, and I love that, the, you know, even though the chiefs got out to that big lead and kind of let Miami come back, they always do the little, just what they have to do to win the game. Like, I don't, I, you know, you feel like some teams, I know Sean McVay is like, will kick an, uh, kick a field goal to cover the spread of his team's game or something. And I, Andy Reed is not that dude. So he's not doing that. He wants a win. And if he gets a win, he's happy. And if he doesn't get a win, he's not happy. And that's that. So, um, yeah, I think if that's your general uh, way that you your your general mo is let's get the W. That's all that matters. I think you're in a, in a good place. Um, yeah. You don't want to be 
playing around too much with other, you know, values as it relates to a football game. All right, cool. Um, fun game, uh, I guess. Uh, yeah. Good job by uh, Kansas City, just holding it, holding it together. Uh, moving on to Minnesota at Atlanta. I think, I think that right off top, we have to talk about who I gave my game ball to was Josh Dobbs. He got the actual game ball and he got my game ball. He was traded to Minnesota a day before the trade deadline. Steps off a plane to Minneapolis uh, five days before this game. Now. Minnesota did start Jaron Hall, but he left the game with a concussion. And I just I, I saw like like Willie Beeman. He uh, Josh Dobbs puts his newspaper down, grabs his helmet, uh. and then runs out there and you know goes sixty seven percent completion on thirty passes, one hundred and fifty eight yards and two touchdowns. Um, he goes out there and leads the offense to three scoring drives, including the go ahead TD pass to Brandon Powell, his first. Uh, with 22 seconds left in the game. I thought it was an amazing performance. Um, I, 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 I feel so happy for this guy. Um, what are your takes on Josh Dobbs and uh, this season? Yeah, I, I love it, man. I, so my takes on this game real quick. I just had Josh Dobbs comes in to relieve the concussed Aaron Hall, uh, throws for over 150 and two TDs, and runs for another 66 yards and a touchdown. That's important too, the 66 yards. Yeah. Had it all going for him today or on Sunday. Um, and the, 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 the fact that he never even took a practice snap all, all week, uh, you know, like, like you mentioned, he got there basically a day or so day and a half before the game. Um, and yeah, I mean, that that's insane. And then, um, so I'm just happy for him. I mean, I hope he does well. I know he's, uh, I didn't know he's like a, a, a rocket scientist or something too. I, that's been like going all over the the internet the last couple of days. Like he's like scheduled to go. Yeah, that, that, on that was NASA. his major. Yeah, that was his major in at the University of Tennessee. Right, and he's scheduled. It's insane. To go, he's a super smart dude. Yeah, yeah, he's scheduled to go on a, a like an orbit of Mars in 2024 with NASA. It said I was like, that's freaking nuts, man. So. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a fan. I'm I'm rooting for him big time. I think it, it's a great story. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, I think uh, Tyler, the the Atlanta, you know, Atlanta's still like, I, I feel like their offense just can't get it out of their own way sometimes. But I did think it looked a lot better with Taylor Heineke in there uh, as opposed to Desmond Ritter. Um, they just can't get the running game going, which is bizarre to me because Algier and, and Robinson just seem like, uh, can't miss combo there but yeah i don't know man yeah so my spotlight for this game was just the minnesota vikings just as a team after sunday's win they're five and four they won five games out of their last six they're two and oh in the nfc north they're currently the seventh seed in the nfc playoff bracket their next four games are very winnable. They got New Orleans, Denver, Chicago, and Las Vegas. Now, if they take care of business, they're going to be nine and four going into the last quarter of their season. Now, these are where their toughest games are. They're at Cincinnati. They got Detroit twice and Green Bay at home. So it's not a, a, an easy schedule left. But, but if you I can mean, go two they, and two in those games, if you're able to win these next four, you can go two and two in those last four years. You're feeling pretty good. I mean, you should yeah, probably you're, be able you're to beat eleven Green and Bay. six, and you, and you're you have a strong place. You could even win your division. Yeah. I, the turnaround of this team has been amazing. They've been yeah. fun to watch. So, 
Um, well, now, think, in if res- had, if, think if they had Kirk Cousins still. I mean, that that would be it would be a lot. I mean, I'm rooting for Dobbs, but if Kirk Cousins was in there, it'd be a, a much more interesting story. But sure, yeah. Now, in response to the loss, Atlanta's head coach Arthur Smith had to make some huge changes, so he shaved his mustache. <laughs> so, thank god man that thing looked that, that thing was something else maybe that maybe that's why they 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 don't have a running game there's some stuff out there that Bijan's running the wrong routes and doesn't look like he knows what he's doing out there and that's going to be a problem sometimes you just have to let these guys go out there and fail and and do all that other stuff and teach him uh they need his explosive uh play out there for sure they look lethargic uh at best all right well also taylor heineke starting for the rest of the season i think they announced that or maybe that was will levis or but they, they he definitely is uh at least uh going to be their starting quarterback next okay. week so yeah I did we'll see, see how that, that goes i'm pretty sure that i did see will levis is going to be the starter the rest of the season so it might have been him but either way yeah. well i'll definitely i'll definitely tune into these uh these tennessee games yeah he's, <laughs> I don't fun, know about he's Atlanta, fun to watch man he's fun to watch will levis anyway yeah all right now okay let's talk about arizona at cleveland now arizona has been playing what we would call pretty well they are one in seven. So let's let's as as a records go, it's not doesn't look very good, but they've played teams very uh hard. Josh Dobbs has looked good. Um, and they even beat the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they immediately, without Josh Jobs, look all the part of a one-win team. Clayton Toon, their new starting quarterback, threw for 58 yards. That is ridiculous mike mike he led the team in passing and rushing and had a combined 86 yards that's led the team in both stats it had like absolute dominance uh by that cleveland defense there who got my game ball obviously i you know i had a little pun going here they really tuned up clayton all right i'll leave that out there uh, seven sacks, ten quarterback hits, one fumble recovery, and two picks. Um, just a just a banner day for that Cleveland defense. Um, they're really tough to move the ball against. Um, I also put a spotlight on uh, Deshaun Watson. He continues to look average. He did throw two touchdowns, uh, but my real spotlight here is Amari Cooper. Got 139 uh, of Watson's 215, uh, 219 yards passing, and he got a TD. Amari is quietly like torching opposing uh, d- defensive. Back. He's like quietly catching touchdowns and, and just amazing sideline catches, and keeps this you know <laughs> juggernaut of a, of a Cleveland offense you know on the field. Um, man, he's just he's probably their best offensive player, and he's kind of go- flying under the radar here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, my notes for this game, the Josh Dobbs-less Cardinals have no answer for Cleveland's defense. Clayton Toon leads the Cardinals in passing and rushing with a grand total of 86 yards combined and three turnovers. Uh, and then Deshaun, Deshaun Watson returns from injury and throws two TDs. Enough said. There it is. All right. L.A. Rams at Green Bay. Uh, so for Green Bay, they broke their four-game losing streak, which is good. And for the Rams, Brett Rippon is not the answer to back up Matt Stafford uh, if they're really trying to win some games. Uh, you know, they went out and got Carson Wentz off the street on Tuesday. 
So, you know, maybe they'll have something there. My guess is Carson comes in and just picks up the ball a la Baker Mayfield, and and they're just going to run with him the rest of the season. Uh, They're still trying. Is Stafford out for the season then? Um, I mean, he he has a jacked up thumb on his throwing hand. So, I mean, you really need your thumb. That's what separates, you know, us from animals, essentially. So it's very important that we have those. (laughs) Thanks Uh, for the explanation. And and last time I checked, it's pretty important when you're trying to throw football. So, yeah, yeah. well, I mean, he's probably day to day. You know, it's I I think it's a sprained thumb or something like that. So my guess is he won't miss more than a couple of weeks. But, you know, Carson Wentz is good insurance. He, He can make some throws in the NFL. He's been successful. Um, he's just like locker room cancer. So that's the only, that's his, his superpower is destroying, (laughs) dividing, dividing light locker rooms. All right. So I want to, I want to call out green Bay here. Uh, my spotlight for them is their youth. Uh, green Bay is the youngest team in the NFL and they're kind of playing like it for the most part. Um, they make quite a few mistakes, penalties, blown coverage, bad throws. Um, I'm not ready to say Jordan Love doesn't have it. I see a lot of good things in him. I like his arm talent. I feel like he's out there competing, and he doesn't look too overwhelmed. Um, I just think this year, as a, from a team perspective, they're they're probably done. I don't think they need to get some some miles on them uh, before we can start talking about them in the upper echelon of of the NFL. Yeah, yeah, I do agree with that. Um, you know, my notes for this one, just Aaron Jones gets in the end zone for the first time this year. Um, or maybe he did like no, I, sorry, he yes. didn't he did in week one. He had two That's touchdowns. Right. Yeah, week yeah. One. My bad. Um, but he gets in the end zone for the first time since week one. That's what that was supposed to say. Uh he goes for seventy three and a touchdown, his best game uh, after that first week uh when he got injured there. Um and a touch a touchdown and a fumble. Um Jordan Love doesn't turn the ball over, which is great. Uh, Brett Rippon. So he's nice. <laughs> yeah, Brett Rippon is not him. Um, Brett, yeah, that's what I put too. The Rams, not the answer. <laughs> yeah, the Rams can't find the end zone. Rippon turns the ball over twice. Packers defense was up for the challenge this week, and uh, you know made the Rams pay. So. Well, I would definitely say having Aaron Jones back. They they took off the they took off the training wheels for him post his hamstring injury for those who don't know he pulled his hamstring on a touchdown run was a touchdown catch and run uh in the first game um they looked offensively like they were firing on all cylinders on that game now it is the it is uh the bears but this team really needs a solid running game because of its youth right um Run, running with efficiency allows you to stay on schedule and allows you to mitigate mistakes. So that's why they're so helpful, a good running game to a young team. Um, yeah. So, and, and I think with Aaron Jones having like the freedom to go out there and play and, and they're not, they don't have them on a pitch count. Um, this running game just collectively ran for 184 yards. They, they pretty much dominated the game in running the ball and mitigating mistakes and they, they got the win. So good job. Yeah, no, it's great. All right. Washington at new England. Uh, this 
game was equal parts big play and bonehead play. It was weird. Like one second you'd see like an amazing throw. The next second he's, you know, um, Sam Howell's throwing it directly to a cornerback in the end zone. I, you know, my spotlight for this game is Ramadre Stevenson. He was the probably the best player on the field, 130 all-purpose yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, I the game balls generally go to somebody on the winning team. So I had kind of picked Sam Howell. He's probably you know, 325 yards and a touchdown. He threw this horrible in, uh, interception in the end zone, uh, took three more set sacks today or uh, this weekend, uh, total 44 on him. Oof. Um, he does appear to be a gamer, though. Like he, he doesn't lack motivation and he does compete. So I like that about uh, him. Yeah, I feel the same way about him as I do about Will Levis. He's fun to watch, you know. I think um, Willis has a better arm. Yeah, for um, sure, for sure. I'm not yeah. going to argue that. Um, but yeah, like he, you mentioned, he threw for 325, completed 65% of his passes and had the one touchdown, but the terrible interception as well. Also had 27 yards rushing, which, you know, I mean, he's not known as a mobile quarterback too much. So. Rushing for his life. Yeah, I think he had a really uh, really good first down run kind of to the sideline where he slipped inside of a tackle, cut it back upfield a little bit and uh, ended up, you know, getting that first down and keeping the, uh, keeping the drive alive. So yeah, um, I think Washington, that's all you can ask from a quarterback like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think Washington's biggest issue is coaching. And I think that uh, this is probably Ron Rivera's mercifully. We're going to the, the Ron Rivera head coaching tree is going to end this or anyway, his, his branch of the coaching tree is going to get broken off this year. Do you um, know what would be, Go ahead. Do you know what would be a huge like Washington like pick for them to go get Josh McDaniels? I hear he's available, and just it'd be yeah. such a Washington move for them to just completely well, that, screw this up. That rumor came out this week that um, the new owner of the Washington Commanders wants that there's there's a rumor that the Washington Commanders are going to basically try and trade for bill Belichick with the Patriots in the off season. Um, and then the Patriots would be willing to do it so that they can get rid of, you know, bill Belichick without having to fire him. So who knows? Well, something to keep an eye on, I guess. Um, but yeah, and also said Ramon Jerry Stevenson had a great game uh, going for 87 yards and a touchdown. Right on. All right. Chicago at new Orleans, a uh, secret agent man had a rough day. Uh, 60% you know, completion on 30 attempts. He had two touchdowns, but he also had uh, three interceptions and a fumble. So four turnovers for him. Um, that basically, I mean, spotlight the New Orleans defense on this. Two sacks, three quarterback hits. Um, but again, they caused five turnovers. So that to me is the game. This wasn't that fun of game. These teams aren't particularly good. Um, somebody had to win, I guess. Yeah. Agreed. Now, my game ball for this is Taysom Hill. Um, 65 all-purpose yards on 15 attempts. So that's rushes combined with uh, uh, catches. He had a receiving touchdown, and he, he actually threw a touchdown to Jawan Johnson, his first TD of the 2023 season. So he's out there doing weird stuff and, you know, the more he's on the field, it seems, in these different capacities, the better chance New Orleans has. 
he seems to be like the most competent quarterback in the red zone. They just car, go get us from the 20 to the other 20 and then go sit down. And then they bring Taysom Hill in. And it might be (laughs) one of the better decisions that that coaching staff is making. Yeah. So I put down my notes. Taysom Hill is one of my favorite NFL players. It's fun to watch. Um, he looks so confident out there, right? Yeah, he's a throw. He seems like a throwback. Like if this dude, this dude could have played in like the forties or fifties, been like Sonny Jurgensen or something. Um, Red Grange. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, he's he's only he's the fifth player in NFL history though with ten passing, rushing, and receiving touchdowns. That's pretty dope. That's pretty cool. I thought uh, in this game he catches one and throws for one. Um, I feel like uh, Cole Komet is the story for the Bears. He's really a couple of great catches. Yeah, he's he's making a name for himself over there. Um, adds two more touchdowns this week. I know he's got a he's got to have five or six so far in the year. Um, and then you know Tyler Badgett throws three interception and fumbles another one. Four turnovers in a game, tough to overcome. Do, do you think uh, JTL Sullivan uh, from the quarterback school is going to take some credit for motivating Cole Komet? Because he just hand him a couple of times early this season for not Maybe being where he needed to be. Yeah, that would be interesting. I wonder. Yeah. He every people listen. People hear these things. Yeah, they it's do. for sure. That is. It's out there in the world. All right, enough of this game. Let's move on to probably the second most another one of the four important games on on Sunday. This was Seattle at Baltimore. Uh, I call this a a rock paper scissors game. Um, or matchup of Baltimore was the rock Seattle was the scissors it just Baltimore's strength is the running game and Seattle's weakness is defending said running game Uh, it just wasn't a good matchup Seattle only had six first downs they were one for 13 on third and fourth down conversions Uh, they were held to 151 total yards Time of possession battle, they were just obliterated. They had 20 minutes compared to Baltimore's 40. They just dominated the game with that running game. And they were only in the red zone once. So this, combined with the fact that Seattle's defense couldn't stop the Baltimore running game, the Seattle offense couldn't get into the red zone to even, like, have a chance at winning this game. So uh, just for all the listeners, the the one or two people that listen to this podcast, um, Mike texts me halfway through the game and in the most captain obvious of all statements, he's like, we can't trade touchdowns for field goals with Baltimore. I was like, no shit, Mike. And then we missed the field goal. <laughs> we Then we proceeded to miss the field goal on top of it. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is out of control. Um, yeah. Honestly, I did not, I didn't really tune into this game. I mean, I'm a C, we're Seahawks fans. So like, you don't like right. to watch, you know, your team get kicked in the nuts for, you know, three hours. So you kind of like, you they watch it, you side eye it. I was watching it on the box, but they like cut away. For, I, I'm not, I don't think I was watching it on the Seattle. I think might've been watching on the Portland feed. Um, yeah. And the Portland, whatever CBS feed. And it cut like, they just like, we're going to go to a more competitive game, like two minutes into the fourth quarter. And I was like, I've never Damn. seen that man. It's yeah. It was wild since I've seen that. It was terrible. So I think this game was as bad as the score would indicate. I think it was 37 to three was the final score. Yeah. Um, It's not fun. Um, I just put, you know, I put down Seahawks were destroyed in all aspects of the game. 
Uh, Mike was right about Baltimore potentially being the best team in football, like team, because they have so many, you know, if you can stop, you know, you stop uh, Lamar Jackson from throwing, they're going to run down your throat. They're probably going to run down your throat anyway. Uh, you know, I don't yep. blame, I, I don't blame Geno Smith for all of the offensive woes that Seattle's dealing with, but at the same time, he has eight turnovers in the last four games. And that is just too many. Um, yeah, Baltimore comes two yards short of rushing for 300 yards against Seattle. And I'm assuming you're giving your game ball to Keaton Mitchell, uh, who I've never heard of in my life, but he rushed nine times for 138 yards and a touchdown. So it was a great day. My game ball actually is the Baltimore running game uh, because it was that duel um, Edwards and that kid, uh, like you said, almost 300 yards total rushing, three touchdowns. They have this like next man up mentality. Um, they, when somebody goes down, somebody steps up and becomes an all pro the, the safety, uh, Gino, uh, stone has like eight interceptions. He was a backup to a guy that went down earlier in the, on in the season. And he has the starting position. Now the other guy's healthy. So these guys are stepping up. I don't know where they're getting these players from. Is it coaching? Is it, is the, is there scout team good like what i don't know but they're just winning and they're beating the heck out of people yeah um i did want to add um my spotlight here um they brought in tyler huntley for some reps he marched down the field had a td pass to um uh odell beckham jr i think that Um, was after they had already cut away from the game for me so i didn't see yeah this was Seattle's first game against a top five team in the NFL. Uh, they could not hang, and that's troublesome. They still have San Francisco twice, Dallas and Philly um, ahead of them. Those are all what I would consider top five, top six teams. Um, their season can get pretty messy pretty fast here. We'll see how it goes. They, yeah, they need these next two or three games, whatever it is, before we they run into that gauntlet of four straight against San Francisco. They are definitely trending down <laughs> absolutely all right all from right, from oh, a game ahead. that wasn't so fun to a game that i thought was amazingly entertaining uh it's the tampa bay at, at houston uh, texans very surprising um i'm gonna give a little shout out to to baker mayfield here he looked he's been looking really good over the last couple of games in this game he had 70 percent passing on 30 attempts 256 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. He had a beautiful deep pass to Mike Evans uh, that ended got them on the one-yard line. Um, I mean, I, I bet you Cleveland would love to have him back on the rest, roster the way he's playing. He did a really, really good job. He even brought them back um, to take to, – it was a go-ahead touchdown uh, with 46 seconds left. But then <laughs> – here comes CJ. Watch out! Watch out for the boy, man. He's killing everybody. <laughs> what? I'm, I know you got the stats down. Why don't you go ahead and give me what uh, Stroud's stats are? Oh, the best uh, rookie performance uh, ever that we've ever seen uh, from a quarter from the quarterback position. Uh, he goes for over seventy percent of his completions, four hundred seventy yards, and five touchdowns with no turnovers. Right, and this includes a game-winning drive with. 46 seconds left on the clock. I guess they had a win uh, win percentage of like 8%, and an 8% chance of winning that game. Wow. With 46 seconds left, 
a full, you know, 80 yards to drive. Um, man, it was fantastic to watch. Now, yeah. I have a question for you. Is CJ Stroud the most valuable asset in the NFL right now? On that rookie contract, the way he's playing, is there anyone else that has a higher, let's say, trade value? With that combination of salary and skill. How old is Patrick Mahomes? But Patrick Mahomes, you're paying him a half a billion dollars. I, I know, I know, but still, man, like that dude is like we've seen quarterbacks have eight or nine game runs before. It's not ever in a rookie season like but, this. But I would say, yeah, he's clubs. probably the the yeah, it, he's probably the most valuable. It's got the it, reason I the reason I say that is it's the combination of what he's getting compensated with, with the amount, you know, plus the amount of talent that he is showing. So that's why I was like, huh, how valuable is this guy right now? Like just from a, a value standpoint, if you will. I mean, I think right, it, cool. it's him and it's him and Patrick Mahomes are probably the two most valuable commodities in the NFL. I would say he's probably Well, I think I think Pat Mahomes is underpaid, frankly, for what he's doing. But when you when you have to add in that monster salary into into your salary cap calculations, right. you really don't have a lot of wiggle room. So every every signing you have and every person you bring on to that team, you have to really think hard about how they fit and what the value is and all that kind of other stuff. That makes it much more difficult to do your job. When you have a, a, an amazing quarterback like C.J. Stroud on your team and he's making rookie, you know, rookie money, um, that gives you that flexibility. Really what it is is you can make some more mistakes, take some more shots at guys, and, and, and hopefully it all pulls together. He does uh, afford a, a, or a franchise to be able to do that. So anyways, he had a great, he had a great game. It was fun to watch. Um, he seems like a really cool dude. Uh, saw some interviews of him. His dad, I guess, is in, in prison, and there's some – some chicanery going on with that. He's trying to work that out. Um, you know, I'm, I don't really pray for anybody, but if I did, I'd, I'd do it for him. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, seems like a good kid. All right. Indy, Indiana at Carolina. Um, wow. Uh, this game was ugly. Statistically, Carolina was a little bit more productive moving the ball. They had more total yards, um, it, it, but their mistakes just killed them. That Indiana defense scored two touchdowns. Um, yeah, it was messy. And I'll just go, you know, Kenny Moore uh, had two interceptions. Yeah, two two pick sixes yeah. in this game. He, he has my game ball. Um, uh, just I really liked him when we had when we watched that the Indianapolis Colts, um, hard knocks. This kid worked his butt off to become that starting cornerback. And I think he's one of the best in the league. Um, just constantly competing. He's a little short, you know, but man, he's out there just playing his tail off. So um, good job by him. Yeah. You know, um, this was just a disgusting game offensively. Um, neither quarterback could even throw for more than 175 yards. Bryce Young throws three interceptions and then, yeah, two of them returned by Kenny Moore for a touchdown. End of story. This is terrible. Yeah. yeah, I want to spotlight Jonathan Taylor as well. 
Um, he's starting to find his rhythm here. He had 69 all-purpose yards and a touchdown. Um, he did sit out a big chunk of the season on the IR. Uh, Phantom back, I don't know. It, it could have been him just pouting over his contract or or him actually being hurt. Who knows? Maybe we'll never know. Um, but he had, a, he had a pretty decent game. Um, hey, they put Carolina on the, on the schedule and Indianapolis, uh, won the game. So that's all you can do, right? Yep. Yep. All right. Speaking of winning a game against a really bad team, New York giants at Las Vegas. This is the first Las Vegas. This is first game for Las Vegas after they fired Josh McDaniels. Uh, Daniel Jones of the Giants goes down with a non-contact knee injury. He looks like he's out for the season. Um, and yeah. those are kind of the highlights, I guess. You got a fired coach and an injured quarterback. Uh, not a really a fun game on either side. I'm going to spotlight uh, Antonio Pierce, uh, former New York Giant linebacker, uh, is the in- interim head coach uh, for the Raiders. Um for all intents and purposes, uh, the players love him. He seems like a good guy. He's uh, had some head coaching experience in high school and college. Um, and now uh, the the NFL, he got his first win. Um, team really seemed to rally around him. That was nice to see. Las Vegas definitely looked like they were having fun in this game at the very least. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, speaking of the Josh McDaniels situation. I heard that um, there's some story out on, and it's, it's from Twitter, but it's, I think it's from like a respected source, like a respected reporter saying that Josh McDaniels asked Antonio Pierce to speak to the team. And he brought up when they, when he was with the giants and they beat the Patriots. The 07 giants. Bowl, yeah. Um, when they were the undefeated and how they just believed they could do it. And they went out and did it. And after the, after he did that, McDaniels like went off on him about not talking and never talk about the Patriots again and blah, blah, blah. And that's what forced uh, Mark Davis or that's what prompted Mark Davis to fire him and, and name Antonio Pierce, the head coach. And he just see like, I love it, man. I heard some quote from him. He was just like, I am. He's like, I am the Raiders. Like I grew up listening to NWA and wearing the black Raiders hat and all that stuff. He's like, this is, this is who I am. And uh, he just seems like a great fit for that organization. I think. Well, fit. I don't know. He definitely has the, the respect of his players. I mean, if you as a head coach have that, uh, that does give you, get you a long way. We'll see as as the year goes on whether he can hold this together from a from a um, learning standpoint, from a teaching standpoint, from a game plan standpoint. There's a lot of moving parts uh, out there that a head coach has to manage. We'll see how uh, how he does, but I'm I'm rooting for him for sure. Uh, my game ball goes to Josh Jacobs. Um, I thought this was interesting. 98 rushing yards um, and two touchdowns. Fantastic. I noticed he didn't have any catches. And I just go like, does that happen anymore in the NFL? Do we have running backs that just run like Adrian Peterson and like OJ Simpson, who just like had like brick hands? Um, can this guy catch? It's just odd for me not to see any receptions from a from a running back in 2023 NFL. Very odd, but good job by him, I guess. Yeah, All right, for sure. For sure. 
these next two games are the three and four of, of those big games that we had talked about earlier. Uh, first one we're going to talk about here is Dallas at Philadelphia. Man, this game had me nervous. This is one of those, like, I'm a, I'm, I've been pulling for the Eagles for the last couple of years, um, and I know Dallas is tough. Um, to me, this was the epitome of grinding out a win. These are the types of games that teams have to have, to have in order to win a championship, um, and that is just grind it out. Defensive play at the end of the game, like you put your you, your backs up against the wall. Um, before I talk about my game ball, I'm gonna I am gonna spotlight Dak Prescott a bit. Um, I give him a, a lot of <laughs> I give him a lot of shit and I make fun of him, call him rain and and all that kind of other stuff. But he did have a really good game. Um, threw for 374 yards, three three touchdowns, and a losing effort. Um, I don't think the loss is on him at all in, in this in this game it is when they needed him not to step out of bounds on a two-point conversion he did um i'm not sure it mattered anyway because they didn't get that next score um it would have that two-point conversion wouldn't have got them in a position to actually win the game but that's the kind of Dak prescott that we see sometimes like you're right there but you need to make this play and he kind of like fumbles the bag if you will um my game ball i'm gonna give it to aj brown jalen hurts had a great day, three touchdowns, but A.J. Brown's on an all-time roll. He only had 66 yards, but he scored a touchdown. He has over 1,000 receiving yards this season, and he executed, which one of my favorite uh, TD celebrations um, with that that Dwayne Wade, LeBron James alley-oop. Did you see that? Yeah, um, I did. That was awesome. I, I love that. That was so creative and fun. That's funny, yeah. Um, that was good, man. I uh... – you know, I put Jalen Hurts was able to shake off a knee injury early in the game and, you know, had a pretty efficient game through for 200 yards and two TDs uh, and rushed for another 36 and, and a third touchdown. Uh, Dak goes for 375 and three TDs, no turnovers, shockingly. Uh, Cowboys come <laughs> up just short. Uh, these teams always play close. And, and these are these are some of the fun, really fun games, I think, every year is, is getting to see Dallas and uh and Philly go head to head, um, especially lately because Philly has been uh, winning far more than they've lost to these guys. Um, but yeah, the uh, Cowboys got the ball back there with 46 seconds, needing to go 86 yards. The Eagles did everything they could to assist them by giving them 56 of those 86 yards in penalties. Uh, yep. Dallas got all the way to the six yard line for Josh Sweat sacks Dak for an 11 yard loss. And the next play, CD Lambs tackled at the six to end the game. Good game, exciting yeah. all the way through. I was putting together uh, this dog crate. It's like a piece of furniture, looks like a buffet, but it has like these spots where that you can kind of lock the dogs in. Oh. And I'm just watching this game like this. I can't watch. I can't watch. Because I was like, no, I don't want Dallas to win. You brought up a good point about uh, Jalen Hurts, his knee, his knee. Yeah, there's been the word on the street is that his knee has been hurt for quite some time. It could be potentially affecting like his efficiency and things like that. He's in there kind of gritting it out. I don't know how these guys do it, like get healthy while in the game. It seems like uh, uh, Joe Burrow did that with his calf. Just kind of like, I don't know, just treat it. And like he's, he hadn't missed the game and he has a knee, you know, Kurtz has a knee problem. And I just, I hope that he can find a way to rehab that and get it 
to where he's comfortable. Um, Cause I'd like to see that, um, that healthy hurts out there. He had an amazing throw to um, gosh, who was that uh, for the touchdown? It was um, their brother. Yeah. Huh? Devontae Smith. Devontae yeah. Smith. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, an amazing throw, like a dot right on, right on there. And I'd like to see a lot more of that. Um, so anyways, good win by the Eagles. Um, they're what? Eight and one. Yep. Only eight win team in uh, football. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, man. Good on them. All right. Uh, Sunday night football, we had Buffalo at Cincinnati. This was actually a fun game to watch as well. It made me so happy. Um, I'm just going to spotlight various Bengals. I think we had T. Higgins had a big day, 110 uh, yards receiving. We talked about Joe Mixon and how and that running game and how important that is um, to their success moving forward. He had 68 all-purpose yards and a rushing TD. Um we also had some tight end action. Now they missed tight ends day uh, by a week, but we had two Cincinnati tight ends celebrating a touchdown, Irv Smith and Drew Sample, uh, both scoring there. Um, and of course, my game ball goes to Joey Burr. Um, he looked sharp, over 70% completions on 44 passes, 348 yards, two touchdowns, like old school quarterback numbers. Uh, it was only sacked once, no turnovers. I think his cap issues were solved. He looks like night and day better than he did at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, my notes, I, you know, the DeMar Hamlin game, obviously those terrible memories from last year, uh, Bengals were ahead 21, seven at halftime and, uh, they never really looked back. Josh Allen has a decent game, went for two fifty, threw a touchdown through an interception uh ran for another 40 yards and a touchdown but joe burrow is back baby 350 yards <laughs> two touchdowns no intercept no turnovers at all Mixon adds another uh rushing touchdown um and this is the team i think nobody wants to play right now man yeah they're they're off to a good start. and then i think their schedule is gonna get a little tougher here really quickly um, so I'm not sure like what this means. I mean, but they've, they won, uh, five of their last six, uh, they got the Texans, then they're at Ravens, Steelers, and then Jaguars. So they're, they have that trifecta there, that Ravens, Steelers, Jaguars, that is going to be tough. Um, things get a little easier towards the end of the season. They finish off with the chiefs and the Browns. So, um, those are pretty tough games as well. So. Yeah. It's not going to be. It's not going to be easy for them. Um, they're going to need uh, Joey to, to to continue to play the way he is. That offense to continue to roll and uh, continue to squeak out, uh, grind out some yards uh, in that running game. Um, you know what? I was thinking about it while I was watching Mixon play, and I go, they really miss that uh, P Ryan. Um, Samaji P Ryan. Yeah, that that power running back that change of pace guy that comes in there and hits the the wears the defense down by hitting them with like a baseball bat um so they they probably you know it's not a high priority i guess i mean you can kind of find some other stuff to do but i'd like to see them get a little bit more um dirty at the at the running back position yeah you know um i I did before we i guess my spotlight i wanted to talk I was kind of like, I don't, I don't know like how I feel about them 
you know, hyping or not hyping, but like talking so much about the DeMar Hamlin injury and that he's back, but he's not playing and this and that. Um, and cause you know me, I'm like, I'm such a, like, get off my long guy, but you know, I, I saw, <laughs> I saw a clip, um, or not a clip, but a picture, maybe a video of on Twitter of DeMar Hamlin after the game, after everybody was gone, the lights were still on in the stadium and he was out at the spot on the field where he had collapsed yeah. and like, he's just kind of yeah. like kneeling down and like his hand is in his, you know, his, his uh, hands are over his face and he's like, looks like he's crying. And that shit affected me. Mike, I was like about to start crying myself. I was like, Holy shit, man, this is, yeah. you know, life and death sometimes, you know, it's so much bigger. Life is so much bigger than football and all this dumb stuff that we, we, uh, waste our time on i guess but you know i guess we have to have outlets and fun things to do as well but like when when you're fun exciting things you know like this is a violent sport at the end of the day and you know crazy things can happen so just wanted to yeah to your point i think it i i, I think it's meaningful for humans people um to take these moments and reflect and uh it was a it was a nice um moment i think for many people to kind of like process what happened and kind of like the um <laughs> finite existence we have on this uh spinning rock well yeah and and you know it really because i remember when i heard you know that he was so that happened on like the like second day of january this last this year I think is was the day of that um of his injury and then I remember kind of coming to because I had my that ulcer that had ruptured my stomach and I was really out of it for like a couple weeks and I remember yeah. coming back to and being like god damn that was like it was like a month ago already when I had my my issues and just being like kind of like thinking about that in relationship to like my own struggle health struggles that I was going through just kind of like put things in perspective a little bit I don't know not that I'm, I'm not making everything about myself, Mike, but I'm just saying. But that's what we do. We internalize those right. emotions. We we see that guy doing that and we can empathize with what he's going through in that moment. And then we start to relate to it in the way that we relate to it. So that's how we can feel that empathy. I, I say continue to do it, man, because it makes us better people. Absolutely. All right, man. Uh, final game on the slate this last weekend uh, or this week, I guess, uh, the uh, L.A. Chargers, we'll call them this week, at the New York Jets. This game was pretty lopsided. Again, the uh, Jets' defense, they played well, but that Jets' offense couldn't really move the ball at all. That was a lot of – they're really bad. <laughs> um, my spotlight, I'm going to put a spotlight on Keenan Allen. He had 77 yards in the game, but he does go over 10,000 yards for his career. Now I looked at what the significance, where he landed in the all-time list. He's 54 currently. He could probably get up into like 49, 47 pretty easily this year. Um, fellow San Diego Charger, uh, um, or I guess fellow Charger, uh, Lance Allworth is sitting at uh, at 49. My guess is he will uh, pass him this year. So that, that'll be a cool kind of Charger landmark to get by. Um, but yeah. Um, congratulations to him. 10,000 yards receiving for a career is, uh, man, if you're on a list of 50, that's that of for, forever for all time. Um, that's, 
that's a pretty amazing thing. So good job by him. And I'll just shoot out my game ball now. Um, Austin Eckler, 47 yards rushing, two touchdowns. He added another 23 receiving. Not big numbers, but, you know, those touchdowns kind of really mattered uh, in this game. So Yeah, I just wanted my main um, notes from this game were um, just my absolute apology to you and to all the listeners and to anybody that I told that I thought Zach Wilson was going to be a um, good NFL football player. Um, it was I, it was my favorite bit of last season's uh, podcast, and it is the gift that keeps on giving um, every year. So, I'm done. Thank you. I'm done. I'm over it. Um, I, I can't. The guy is freaking terrible. Um, there, there was a pretty funny. Uh, you, do you remember the when Byron Leftwich was at uh, Marshall and he had hurt his leg? And his linemen would pick him up yep. and run him down the field. Somebody was showing this is how the Jets are going to play with Aaron Rodgers uh, for the rest of the season after that Zach Wilson performance last night. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I actually watched that game, that that Marshall game. I think was I was actually funny. watching it too. I, yeah, the thundering was, herd, right? Thundering herd, yep. So, yeah, I put Zach Wilson's absolutely terrible. Fumbles the ball twice, can't get the ball in the end zone. Takes the most atrocious sacks you've ever seen. Like, that's the thing. Like, I felt like in that, the Seahawks-Ravens game, Geno Smith must have gotten hit or sacked a million times or just had to throw the ball away. He had nowhere to go with the ball. But Zach Wilson, you know, and he just takes the sack. Zach Wilson's going to run back like 20 yards and then take a sack and knock himself out of field goal range every goddamn time. It's just frustrating. Yeah, he, he, he's missing uh, passing windows. He's not letting the ball go. Um, he's not sliding in the pocket to create uh, throwing lanes. He did a naked bootleg. Uh, he ended up getting out of the tackle, but I didn't understand why with uh, Khalil Mack essentially out there on his own on, on his offensive right side, um, why he do a naked bootleg out there. He had to have known what direction the linemen were going. They had to have known that there was no one on Khalil Mack um, when he decided to just blindly bootleg out there. So I just, I don't understand. I don't, why would you play a uh, call a play on a naked bootleg there? I don't know if it's the play calling. I don't know if it's Zach not, you know, changing the play because he's not, he doesn't know what he's looking at uh, and he just executes and just puts himself in, in high leverage situations where he's running for his life. I, I don't know what's going on. I wish I did. Um, you know, their coach or yeah, their coach is out there still praising this guy. And like, he's, he's our starting quarterback right now. And I just like, they had an opportunity like three months ago, four months ago to make a move. Now they had some limitations with, you know, their money and their cap space and all this other stuff. I get it. They, they had to restructure um, Aaron Rodgers as it was to fit him into the scheme. But I just look at – they needed to make, in my opinion, needed to do something to get a quarterback in there that could at least control the offense, maybe drive it downfield, maybe get in a field goal range. With this defense, if you have an offense that can put up 14 points – 18 points, 20 points, you know, you're probably going to win most of your games. And I thought they just missed an opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. Um, All right, man. To your your point, Austin Eckler, that was, that was the, the guy, man. 
He was. Uh, he looked good. He looked excited. So I'm glad. I'm glad he's out there uh, doing his thing, Miss right. Doug Fizzle, if you will. All right, cool. Uh, that's week nine in the books, man. Um, let's look forward. Let's go. Yeah, let's look forward. What do you got? All right. Um, I if you found more than three games, Mike, I am going to be shocked. But I had Cleveland, Baltimore, San Francisco, Jacksonville, and Detroit uh, Chargers. Yeah, I wasn't sure about the Detroit Chargers, but I did have the rest. I mean, these games are, you know, pretty. Pretty. I'm hoping that fun things happen. Uh, I am interested in. I, are the Jaguars for real? Can they hang with this 49ers team? Even though they're five and three, the 49ers, I think they're probably a top five, top six team in the NFL. Um, I think they've got better at defensive line, if you can believe that. Um, we'll see how they play against this Jaguar defense. It's Debo back in. Um, we talked about them not having a lot of offensive depth at the skill positions. So one injury really makes a difference for this team. Um, so you're right. That's an interesting game. Browns Ravens. I mean, this is going to be a bloodbath. Um, I, I probably have taken the Ravens on this just because of the ineptitude of the uh, Browns offense. Yeah. Hey, but maybe Deshaun Watson and, and uh, Amari Cooper can figure some stuff out and do some magic smoke and mirrors something. Um, but yeah, this is going to be an interesting game. It's the old Browns versus the new Browns. Yeah. I did want to put a spotlight on, how absolutely terrible the primetime games are this week um, and the game in uh, in Europe. So it's Panthers-Bears on Thursday night. Just yep. a disgusting game. Uh, Colts-Patriots <laughs> Colts, uh, live from Frankfurt. Uh, terrible Oof. game. Uh, Jets-Raiders on Sunday night football this week. And then we get Broncos-Bills on Monday night football. I mean, I guess I bet I bet you Jets. I bet you Jets Raiders is going to be exciting. I bet it. I like watching Raiders games because you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, no, I agree. The Raiders games are like the Raiders games are like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Know what you're going to get. All right, all right, man. So are you? You're not. uh, You're not doing any betting, right? No. What do you got? I got Buffalo minus seven and a half at Denver because I, like I said, I'm betting against Denver every week. I don't care if they had a, that defense is picking up man, and they can't stop anybody. They pulled a rabbit. Seven points. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Washington plus six and a half at Seattle. Um, I think I may be uh, betting against the Seahawks every week, the rest of the season as well. Um, and then Tennessee plus one and a half at Tampa Bay. I that's probably a sucker's bet, but I just want to see what uh, you know Derrick Henry and uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Levis can do down there. You know, I want to watch this game. You know, you know Baker, you know Baker Mayfield and uh, Will Levis going at it. We'll see. They got some good players. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. Awesome! Awesome! All right, man. So your question of the week, not so much. Oh, did you have another bet? No, no, My that's bet. it. That's it. I'm step. I'm stepping on your stuff here. All, All right. right question. Question of the week. You we didn't have really a question, but we wanted to talk about um, what we thought from quality wins um, for the teams, the better teams uh, in the NFL. So what I did uh, is I took the top seven, basically one through seven, as they were currently situated in the playoffs. And then I, and from a quality win perspective, I really just um, 
basically any wins against anyone that's in that's currently in the playoffs. Uh, so that left out teams like Buffalo. Um, I'm not sure yet whether they're a quality win, but if you want to throw Buffalo in there, we can. Um, I started off with, uh, let's say, KC. So quality wins for them are at Jacksonville, at Minnesota, and they beat Miami and Germany. Did you have anything to add to KC there? Uh, no. Okay. Cool, cool. All right, Baltimore. I had they uh, beat. They they went into Cincinnati and won. They went into Cleveland and won. Uh, they uh, beat Detroit at home and beat Seattle at home. I'll I'll say a Seattle win is still a, a quality win for a team. Yeah, as it's currently slated. Jacksonville. I have at Pittsburgh. That's probably their only quality win at this moment. Yeah. Um, if they can beat San Francisco, they can put another tick mark up on up on that quality win. Uh, tally there Miami I have none they have no quality wins yep no they have like we said earlier they haven't beat a beat a winning team in over what how many 400 days so yep all right for Pittsburgh I got Cleveland and Baltimore both at home uh for Cleveland I have Cincinnati and San Francisco and uh for Cincinnati I have Seattle and San Francisco San Francisco just going on a heater with three straight losses (laughs) tough all right, for the NFC, I have Philadelphia. Obviously, um, I got Minnesota, Miami, and Dallas as their uh, quality wins. Uh, for Detroit, uh, they beat Kansas City in the first game of the season. Um, so that's their quality win. San Francisco, they went at Pittsburgh, and they beat Dallas. That Dallas game was an absolute ass-whooping. Um, and it just it, to me, it made it seem like Dallas wasn't like a premier team. I mean, they since showed they competed with with philly for example and they they beat a lot of other teams so i think they're there uh new orleans no no quality wins they probably won't for the rest of the season they have um between them and i think atlanta they had the weakest schedule um seattle we have at detroit and we beat cleveland at home uh two pretty quality wins there um Dallas, no, no real quality wins from what I can see. And Minnesota, uh, the seventh seed in the NFC right now, uh, they beat San Francisco. So that is my assessment of quality wins. What do you think? I yeah, I agree, man. That's kind of what I was thinking too. Just you, you would expect more, but I just don't know if there's that many quality teams either, right? So it's tough to get a quality win if there's no quality teams. So yeah, well, I mean. That final playoff spot just below that, what you would call the A seed is kind of like that line of demarcation between what you would call a team above 500 and a team below 500. There's still a couple of teams that are meddling around in that four and five spot that that, that could switch for them pretty quickly. But um, yeah, I mean, that seven spot seed, the first seven are like really where that line stops. When you start, when you start looking at teams below that line, you're like, oh, I don't think that, that team's good. That team's good. That team's missing, a, you know, a quarterback. That team can't right. stop anybody. You know, that's what you start saying about those teams. All right, cool. Uh, take corner. Um, you've been running from takes all season. Uh, have, do you have any this week? No, I like Will Levis. And I like Sam Howell. That's my take. <laughs> I had a thought. Uh, the other day uh, and this is should american sports league start looking into relegation as a counter uh to tanking teams there's no there's no way a team would tank 
if they had to go to a lesser league. So I think you can do this in basketball right now. You just have the G League and you have the the NBA. So your final, your worst team, let's say Portland loses. They're the worst team. They get relegated. Spurs get relegated to the G League and then the top G League teams move into the NBA. Um, I just wondered, I would like to see this. The older I get, um, I'm like, you know, soccer does make sense the way that they got things framed out sometimes. So I think it would be a fun little wrinkle. I'm kind of enjoying the NBA's like in-game um, tournament. They yeah, have this like cup. Yeah. They have this cup that, you know, you can win. I forget what they call it. Um, like the British Premier League. You, you can win the league. You have this, Champions Cup, I think it's called, and then the European Championship. So these three things that you can you can nail in, in a given season. And it, I don't know, it makes it kind of exciting, right, to, to have all of these different things. I'm excited about the midseason tournament. Um, I know no owners are going to want to be relegated, <laughs> but – um, maybe that's a, like, let's stop using this as a, like a tax haven or a way to launder your money. Let's, let's actually try to win here. Maybe, yeah. um, I will say, I will say, I don't know the complications of the CBAs of these various leagues. Um, the way that they trade star players, you know, or rent star players really more than anything in soccer is quite mind blowing for me, you know, for me coming from kind of this very structured space where, you we put you on a podium we somebody says i want him and he's going to play for me for four years whether he likes it or not <laughs> and that's just the way it goes here um yeah. it's problematic in my mind but um yeah that would be interesting to see i was, I was just thinking about thinking this relegation thing through this week so that that's kind of my take i don't hate it i don't hate it all right Let's move on to diversity. Um, I'm going to start with, um, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I'm doing my justified rewatch because I want to go in and I want to watch that new season. Um, City Primeval, I believe it is, is a is new justified. And I wanted to kind of revisit the characters and, um, and Raylan, Jenny, uh, Raylan um, and just kind of see, just re refresh my memory. So I finished season four and five. Um, five was a bit of a slog to, to move on. Michael Rappaport was the big bad, you know, like when you play video games, every, every layer or every section of the game, there's like a big bad that you have to defeat to move on to the next thing. Right. It's kind of like justified. It has that structure to their, to their seasons. You have 13 episodes as you work to, to one conclusion and you have to battle the big bad for that season. And for season five, it was this <laughs> redneck family called the Crows, um, who Michael Rappaport was the quote unquote boss of. Um, and that all came to a head. His his whole like Southern accent thing, it his all culminated in the word idea. Like he had to say idea. That's a bad idea. And it didn't it didn't even make sense with the rest of his like what he was saying. I, I don't know. It's just like he was somebody should have given him some notes. So far, so good. Um, it's fun. Um, they do break it up 
season five, I thought was um, Raylan had kind of had an ex-wife. They got back together. She got pregnant. They ha- He has a baby now through most of season five. Okay. But he was kind of trying to quote unquote find himself for the through season four and five. He had dated, you know, some people. He was kind of uh, running rogue all over the place, kind of going off. He was he took some time off and he's chasing bad guys, all things that would kind of get somebody arrested in real life. So it was like his time to kind of deal with all of this stuff. It was a very interesting subplot to these two seasons and uh, it'll end with season six. I've started the first couple episodes. He's starting to clean up his life and get things and get his way, uh, get his, get his butt back to his, uh, his, I guess, girlfriend, but baby mama out in Florida. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Do you ever watch that Beckham doc on Netflix? Still haven't, no. Check it out. It's fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I mean, it's he, on my list of stuff to watch, but I just haven't done it yet. He he's a very um, I'll say OCD. I don't know if he's been officially diagnosed or anything, but he definitely has a lot of the tendencies. Um, and I think to some extent, people that are really successful in sports, uh, JJ Reddick has talked about this. How he just has this. He had a routine that he had to follow. Uh, Beckham was very much the same way. I had no idea the stuff that he had to go through um, after the red card in the World Cup and the the eventual loss to uh, Argentina. Uh, man, they brought into the Falkland Wars because you know England and Argentina were fighting over these war these islands off the coast of of Argentina, and they were in like this four year war. So these types of games, these matches are like not only hey we, we want to win the world cup but it's also like we're going to beat an oppressive uh, colonizer who who went to war with us you know four years prior or whatever as well so it's like there's all of these undertones to this to these events these these world events i thought it was really interesting him kind of being um like a uh like a punching bag for for that you know that loss and stuff like that but man he's an interesting guy for sure and it's a it's a good watch even angie kind of closed her computer and started watching it with me so that's a lot of fun yeah it looks good man um yeah what is it was that your other diversity thing was the beckham doc i i I got three more but you know feel free to sprinkle your life in here okay um I got I've one. Been, I'll let you. Yeah, go do yours first, and I'll get mine. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, as you know, and maybe the audience doesn't, I'm a huge Marvel fan, like comic book fan. Back when I was a kid, I used to read comic books, buy comic books, you know. And then when they started doing these movies, I really just ate it all up. I still eat it up, but the the movies and the shows are getting pretty bad, and I think like Marvel has like this problem. It's like well-documented. There's a lot of books about kind of the stuff that they went through. Um, This whole, like they, they landed the plane in in my opinion on this Thanos kind of like um, 
snaps and all that other stuff. When that when they killed Thanos and that was over with that phase, I think they landed the plane with that. Then they started this new storyline with these new characters and all this kind of other stuff with um, this guy called King the Conqueror, played by Jonathan Majors. And they're like all in on this. All storylines are pointing, pointing to this crescendo face with all the Avengers again and this King the Conqueror guy. Then Jonathan Majors goes out and gets in trouble with domestic violence. And it just like, it really feels like this thing's like up in the air. And I was listening to a couple podcasts about this and just like, man, I don't know what we're going to do. Got the Marvels coming out this week. And it's just like, I'm not sure how excited I am to actually jump into any of these, these movies anymore or these shows, to be honest. So um, it sucks. It sucks for me. DC's never been able to like, you know, do anything with their, with their side. As far as I'm concerned, you get a couple of good, you know, Batman movies, you get a couple of good Superman movies, but they can't pull it all together. Marvel did a really, really good job in those, those first years uh, doing, putting this all together and made a machine uh, that seems to be broken now. So unfortunate. Well, that's a bummer. All right, you go ahead and then I'll finish off with my last two. Okay. So I, about two or three months ago, I'm a huge New York Yankees fan. Like I just of the history of the New York Yankees, I guess more than anything. And, uh, about six months ago, and Yogi Bear is like one of my all-time favorites. My my, I have an uncle who um, does some work or did some work when he was still working with um, some of the people tied into the Yankees. So he got me all this cool memorabilia and stuff. I have a you know a picture um, signed by Yogi Bear, Whitey Ford, and Phil Rizzuto uh, up on my wall in my bedroom. Um, just some I have some really cool stuff. Like I had like a handwritten like letter from Yogi Bear that he. Yeah, them signed for me and uh you know all this different stuff anyway and so yogi bear has always been one of my favorite baseball players um not that i was old enough to see him play but anyways i heard his granddaughter uh do an interview on a podcast i listened to about three months ago and she was sitting with her dad or her grandfather i mean at the 2015 all-star game in st louis he's from st louis although you know he played for the yankees for all those years and was associated but the documentary is called it ain't over it's on netflix right now it's not a netflix original but it is on netflix um and so she was sitting at this all-star game with her grandfather and they were doing they were honoring like the four greatest baseball players the four greatest living baseball players and it was johnny bench sandy koufax Hank Aaron and Willie Mays and she's like why aren't you out there and then they're going through all of his stats he had more um I think he had more uh World Series wins than all of them put together obviously the Yankees went on a a complete tear when he was there um but he had more MVPs than all of them he had all, all these just crazy stats that and people just uh, it kind of dives into like people looking at him like this cartoonish kind of buffoon that says, you know, dumb stuff. Crazy like, stuff. Yeah, you know, has these like, oh, it's, it ain't over till it's over, and all these things. But they were, it was, it was funny because in the documentary, it kind of it'll put up like a, um, a, a quote from Einstein or a quote from like one of these great philosophers, and then 
one of the things he said is basically saying the same thing that the philosopher was saying just in a much more like simple way you know what i mean like easy to comprehend yeah. way. and uh so i thought that was pretty funny but talks about um his beef with george steinbrenner because he had been hired to be the manager of the yankees i think in in 80 83 or 82 or 84 somewhere in there and uh was fired 16 games into the season and basic and didn't George Steinbrenner didn't even fire him. He had one of his underlings go fire him um, without even, and he had been a part of the Yankees. No respect. Yeah. Just discussing it. So he wouldn't go back to Yankee stadium for like the old timers days or anything for uh, the better part of 20 years until finally somebody, you know, forced Steinbrenner essentially to, to apologize to him. And he did. Uh, it was actually, I think it was, uh, uh, God damn it, um, Joe DiMaggio God, before he died. Apologize to you. Oh, Joe DiMaggio okay. uh, became really close to to George Steinbrenner his last few years um, that he was alive, and he was like, "You got to get Yogi Berra back into the into the the Yankee family, man. This is too much." So it yeah, was just, like, it was like, doing, it man? was really nice, man. It was, it was a good documentary. They interviewed a lot of like interesting people for it. Um, his granddaughter did a great job. She was, she's in it as well. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it though. I think anybody out there that's, uh, you could be a baseball fan or not, you should go, go check it out. It ain't over. It ain't over. Right on. Sounds fun. I'll check it out. I don't, I don't know. Just never been a huge Yankee fan. Obviously you have that connection to it. So that's, that's pretty cool to kind of revisit that part of your life. So right on. All right. So I mentioned at the top of the, uh, of the show that we're kind of redoing um, our downstairs, turning into an office, multi, the multi-use room, basically office. And then like where we watch movies and stuff. Um, Part of that process is bringing in new furniture, new things that fit the space a little bit better. We got a couple of like automatic raising and lowering desks and stuff so that we can a little bit more comfortable for us to kind of move around. Um, We also have to sell things, right? So we use like Facebook Marketplace or OfferUp. And it's weird. I get like a lot of these women that will want like we have this big desk that you know that was angie's desk up in the office that doesn't really fit for what we want downstairs so we put it up 140 bucks nothing nothing crazy and i get like all of these people they come in and they all women they come in like i want that and they're just so excited about it and and then they just ghost you and i'm like what the heck is going on and angie my wife steps in and goes like it happens all the time because they have to create this this narrative um she she actually got first hand feedback of this kind of stuff uh but she uh she they have to create this narrative so the story so when they go to their husband and say hey i love this desk i want to get this desk it's only 440 dollars it's you know five feet by five feet it's going to fit perfectly in this space and they have to like create this whole thing and then they go to their husband my assumption is like oh we're like the one lady last week was supposed to be there at six thirty. We we were wrapping up our call, our uh, our uh, our show last week, and I was supposed to like basically move into the like, go to the garage and open the door and have it loaded. They didn't show up, and my only thing is, husband gets home and says, "We're not going to fucking Lacey to get this desk. You're you're out of your mind," and I just go, 
I feel like men have been doing this for thousands of years. There's no question. Just stealing the joy from women. Just let Stop them have it. the desk for a hundred. Let them have the desk for one hundred forty dollars, dude. Or at least get fucking in. call me before you before you don't show. I don't even ghost me. It's fine. That's not the whole. That's not the point. I don't need them to. They don't owe me anything. I'm just saying. She was so excited to have this desk, and I'm just like something. Something had to happen. That enthusiasm had to be like, you know, drowned out somewhere. And the only op- the only the only reason is because of her husband. I, I can guarantee you this is what happened. Being very sexist Just, of you, Mike. What if she has a wife and her wife sucked that joy out of her? I think this very this particular person did mention her husband specifically. Okay. okay. I'm just so but no, it's a good call out. I need to be a little bit more sensitive. Not everybody has a traditional relationship. I get that. Um but in this case more traditional i guess um but just just weird guys stop getting in the way of of your 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 partner's joy in life if 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 they want to have a desk that really really pull the room together let them have the desk get into your big dodge ram 2500 with the extended bed and come to my house and pick up this damn desk and then and just let your 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 partner have that moment. All right. Of pure bliss, if you will. <laughs> All right. So my last thing, I was looking for a quote today, and uh, for for the quote. So a lot of times, what I try to do is I try to find a quote that has some significance of a storyline or something that we're discussing this week. or an observation that I've made or something like that. For example, last year or last week, I did some risky business quotes based on like, you know, throwing caution to the wind and kind of, and I I used the the, one of the quotes from from that show. Uh, This week, I was looking for any given Sunday. I had a thought about um, Josh Dobbs. There's a scene where Willie Beeman is sitting on the bench and the quarterback goes out the backup quarterback goes out in the game and he's over on the, on the, like reading a newspaper. Absolutely ridiculous. I've never seen a player read a newspaper in the 20 plus years I've been watching football. I don't know what Oliver Stone was thinking other than like this guy was so far down the bench that there was, he felt there was no chance he was going to get in there. So he's reading right. a newspaper. Anyways, that's the vision I had with Josh Dobbs when he entered this game is like somebody scrambled on the side. He's like, what? I'm up. Huh? And then I wanted to find um, a the quote, but I couldn't find the quote anywhere. It wasn't on IMDb or moviequote.com or whatever, but I did find the actual 243-page script of Any Given Sunday. Oh my god! And I was kind of, and I was kind of reading through it, and most of it's pretty straightforward, right? You have a conversation. It's Beeman says this. D'Amato says this, Beeman says that, but leading into these conversations, they, they roughly describe the scene that, that they're in at that moment, where they are, what are they doing? You know, who's there? They'll give a brief description that then becomes the, the director says, I saw this thing. And it was like, you know, when they were at the party, it said 15 to 20 women mostly in lingerie, some kissing each other. And I'm like, what the fuck 
is going on with this? It was just like so weird to see like the raw thoughts <laughs> of these creepy dudes yeah. on paper. And then to like know that this, the scene was much more like there was more a better breakup of men to women in the script it was like 20 women to five dudes but in that, the party is that the, is they, that the party at uh, lawrence taylor's house where he cuts willie beeman's uh super yes or whatever yeah but what but when you when that scene is when you're entering that world right there's they're in this like big room and there's like it's almost equal parts men and women at that case and they're clothed <laughs> so the the reality of what that scene looked like was much different than what you see in the script and it was very interesting to kind of like see the like the raw like thought of how this is supposed to go down and then how that differs from you know what actually gets put on film so it was it was pretty crazy all right man all right, herding goats. Let's knock this out. Uh, my good, UW, uh, University of Washington beats USC. Um, I couldn't watch this game. I would like, I watched like the first three quarters and then it got real tight and I kind of like would change the channel just because my anxiety and then I kind of look at my phone to see what the score was. And you were texting me during the, this was actually my good as well. You were texting me during the game though and you're just like, uh, this is stressful as hell watching a team that I actually care about. Like, I don't like doing this. <laughs> I hate watching teams I actually care about because yeah. it's so stressful. But I, I always worry with the Pac-12. It's not going to be a problem much longer because these teams are going to go to different conferences. Um, but what the Pac-10, the Pac-12 had a reputation of doing is beating up on each other, right? So you'd have two undefeated teams like Washington and Oregon and Washington would beat Oregon. And then they go to play like Stanford and, you know, uh, the ducks would destroy Stanford and, and we'd lose to Stanford and, you know, just get hammered by them. And we could never put together a season that really, not just the, the, the Huskies, but really any team outside of USC in the early aughts um, couldn't put together a season that was dominant enough to get them in the top four, um, top five of the uh, college playoffs. So playoffs. So it's just like it, it. That's where it becomes so anxiety ridden for me. It's like the Huskies have gone through quite a gauntlet of teams, you know, this year so far. You know, they beat the Ducks. They they beat USC. They, you know, they beat a lot of these good teams. We got Washington State, which is not, you know, not a bad team coming up. We get, you know, we got Utah this week, which is in a, a top 25 team. Like we, it's really, really tough to beat these teams week in and week out. And um, I'm really starting to see like, oh my goodness, we're five in, uh, we're, number, we're, we're ranked five. There's a lot of games to be played. Um I think Georgia will probably go down to Alabama, um, most likely in that um, uh, SEC championship game. Um, I don't think they're playing very well. I think Washington has a real opportunity here to be in that top four. And I know we were in the top four, I don't know, about eight years ago when we lost to Alabama. It was a, it was a good first half, but in the second half, we just fell apart. Um, this is our best chance of, 
of getting in this and actually doing something since, I don't know, like 04, 05, somewhere in that space. Um, I mean, I think we had a top 10, top five ranking somewhere in that space. I don't remember the exact year, but I remember like that was a really, really fun year uh, to be a Husky fan. And man, this year is looking, I can't let my anxiety win, man. I have to just enjoy the ride. Yeah, no, I love it, man. It's uh, it's stressful. It's very stressful, but it's very fun as well. Yeah, that was my my good too. Was uh, was them pulling that off? So awesome. All right, New York Jets. This is my bad. The bad. The New York Jets quarterback situation. We talked about this a little bit earlier. That we felt like they missed an opportunity to shore up that quarterbacks that quarterback room. Um, to me, it's just another example of, um, a team staying into something too long, not actually being honest with themselves about what, uh, what they have, what he is, uh, and maybe a little hubris, even thinking that they can take this total pile of shit and turn him into an NFL quarterback. Um, so I, I don't know what they're thinking. I think it, it's gotta be really difficult to be a Jets fan. You have a really, really, really good defense. You have a really good running back. You, you have decent receivers, um, and you're just missing somebody to get to move the ball. And they're just, I don't think they did enough, um, to, uh, to make, uh, make them to move the needle, you know, yeah. hopefully Aaron Rodgers, who's, th- who's out of a cast throwing, 50 yard bombs out in the field Crazy. they can have him by christmas who knows Crazy. he uh he did say on pat mcafee's show this week that it'd be a few fortnights i had to look up how long a fortnight was that's two, two weeks. weeks oh good for use the big brain on brad <laughs> you mm-hmm. didn't even have to ask your ask your uh your digital assistant like i did um, I, I actually i actually use the term fortnight in conversation that that's how crazy that is all right um my bad mike is talking about the is the um selection committee for the college football playoff that's put washington at number five um Mm -hmm. because washington's strength of schedule is like the 10th or 12th in the country and all those other four teams that are undefeated ahead of us it's like 83rd 96th 112th and it's like, what? What's the point of playing anybody at this point? Just go undefeated, play, you know, win your division or your conference games, and play a bunch of cupcakes, and you're good to go. So I just think that uh, uh, they need to do better. I was looking at, I agree, and I was looking at um, the standings. I was looking at, I think it was, um. Who was it? I think it was Georgia's. Let me get to my phone here. Georgia's. They're they're playing like this cupcake, like out northern Alabama. Yeah, they. That, that's what all the SEC teams. The the second to last week of the season, they all play in like week nine. They all play like some just cupcake team, like South Alabama, or I mean, even that worse than South Alabama, like Chattanooga State or something. Yeah. And it's funny because you see a lot of teams, they, they gear up their first probably two or three games are kind of out of conference, not really big games. A lot of these 
guys pay big money to these smaller schools in, you know, in, for the right to, to get pummeled into the ground. Um, but I just, it's kind of like a BS move. Um, I agree. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't believe in, in Georgia's team. And like looking at their scores, they actually, they had a couple close games in the middle there, but, um, we'll see, we'll see how it all works out. I'd like to see, um, Florida state is probably the best one for going out. Um, Ohio and Michigan, Ohio state, Michigan, obviously play each other. So there could be some movement there to get us into the top four. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. What's your uh, ugly? Let's get let's wrap this up and get out of here. George Pickens. Oh, he's a, he's a good player. Fantasy. Don't get I me. I have him in fantasy, man. I thought he got that touchdown. I was so disappointed. Well, he didn't get the touchdown because no, he no. didn't put his foot down. But he, to me, what I'm really uh, I think is ugly is the passive aggressive social media behavior of that he was kind of had. Like I'm gonna I'm embarrassed that I didn't get my foot down. And somebody talked to me about how I should get my foot down because that's how touchdowns work. And he gets all butthurt about that, like unfriends, like Pittsburgh or unfollows Pittsburgh Steeler football or whatever the hell happens. And he starts, you know, they do the interviews with the, like the the helmet, like the helmet on or the hat on, or, you know, that, uh, that thing that they wear when it's cold out all over the face. I think Gadarius uh, uh, Tony does a lot of that stuff, and it's just I don't, I don't understand the passive aggressive part of it. Just kind of like I get not wanting to be confronted with all the horrible people out in the world that are like that. George Pickens needs to be, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, right. or he sucks, or you know, go after yourself, George Pickens, get your foot down. Your profession, like all that kind of right. other stuff. I don't want to hear that noise if I'm him. But I think, like, hey, Carl, go talk to your boy. Just have him, calm him down. It it happens. Just learn from it and move forward. You are a good player, George. You can play this game. Just let's let's just handle it right. And I see that a lot with a lot of these kids nowadays. Um, that that enter into these leagues they do a lot of that like unfollowing and kind of weird stuff to make a point don't don't ever say anything they don't talk about like what they're frustrated by or they you know back in the day we didn't talk about our feelings you know on in media and we didn't have social media and you know a lot of these guys you never knew how horrible their situation was you do get a inside look at these things now but yeah. I don't know. I don't think that I don't think that's the way to handle it. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, my ugly is Mike Hopkins, the University of Washington head basketball coach. Um, and the reason I put this in the ugly, the Huskies had their first game of the season uh on Monday night and soundly beat some team named Bellerman. The only Bellerman I know is Bellerman Prep in Tacoma. Shout out Casey Calvary, <laughs> alumni over there. Um, and Gonzaga great. Uh, anyway, um, Mike Hopkins came in as the as Jim Beheim's head assistant for many years uh, at Syracuse. They're no, he's known for doing uh, running the zone defense. Um, he's been here six or seven years now. I think they didn't fire him because his buyout was too big after last season. 
Um, so they had to let him have one more year. Well, he brought in all these transfers from other schools and he had a couple guys, got a couple guys to come back and the team is looking really good. They, they scrapped the zone defense. They're back to man to man and um, they're running a more up-tempo offense and it's looking really good. And I'm just like, the guy's not the right. I feel like the guy's not the right coach, but I think he might salvage his job this season and the ineptitude of Husky basketball will continue. What you going to do? Um, we went to a couple of games. I think um, BECU, I don't know if they do it anymore, but I think we're sponsoring um, Seattle U. Okay. And they offered, they had a, a deal where they offered free tickets to a Seattle U Huskies game over at the, um, at key arena i get what is it called now um climate pledge don't litter climate pledge yeah <laughs> climate pledge arena uh don't litter arena i don't know um but yeah so there was it was a fun you know fun game to watch a little college ball um but yeah they haven't been bring back isaiah thomas right let's go i want brandon roy as the head coach man i would take Ooh. it in a heartbeat He's undefe- I think he's won like six six state championships as a as a coach between Rainier Beach and Garfield. So, oh, right on, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't had no idea. I'd like to get him back. Me too. All right, that's it. Yep, we wrapped it up. It. Let's go. Finally. All right, Jeremy. Oh, wait, I told wait, wait, you. Wait, wait, wait. Jesus Christ. Listen, like, rate, review, and share. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> Appreciate you all. Go ahead, Mike. Jeremy, I told you, they ain't going to touch me. They ain't going to see me. They ain't going to smell me. Don't matter if it's T-Rex or the Terminator out there. I'll just turn on my invisible juice and blow right by them. <laughs>